0: For your life Do you know where you want to go are you looking to be happier, healthier and wealthier while having more fun every day?
1: Hello, hello, uh, power partners. Welcome to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and I'm coming to you live on the Voice American Network. You know, right here, which we love our Voice American Network. So we have a great show for you today. And this program, as always, is brought to you under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity. In segment one, we're going to be going into the garden to find out what plants you should be planting or you may enjoy and ones that, hey, you want to stay away from because no matter how beautiful they are, they are not good. So uh, that is going to be segment one. In a segment two, I want to uh, help you to truly live your dreams. And there's a way to do it by being mindful and mastering how you think and how you feel. And we are going to um, get inspired, also with some evidence-based approaches. And finally, in segment three, how much cash do you keep in your wallet? These seem like it seems like we are in kind of scary times. I mean, the market conditions have been changing so swiftly. We've seen banks go belly up. The uh, <laughs> the debt. It doesn't seem to be uh, getting resolved between Democrats and Republicans. So is America going to default? Who knows? Uh, But are we going into a recession? Cash can be king. So find out why you might need a little bit more cash so that you can move quickly and especially in an emergency. So the miracle moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity. Please visit Be The Star You Are at bethestarur.org. We are doing the shoe drive to help support families in distress and poverty and also disaster areas like Ukraine and Syria and Turkey uh, with shoes. And if you go to the website, you can find out if you have shoes you don't want that don't fit you, you don't like, if they're new, gently worn, whatever. Uh, we can use them and we'll get them shipped to uh, people in need. Our goal is to send 2,500 pair. And if you are like a construction worker and you have construction boots and that kind of thing, boy, those are really um, asked for at the time. So think about it. Go to are.org. This is from Rick DeMarinis. Kings and cabbages go back to compost. But good deeds stay green forever. And I think donating shoes is a good deed. Uh, But, you know, before I get into our segment, I know people are thinking, be the star you are. Why are we donating shoes? You're a literacy and positive media charity. Well, I I really I think we just had to pivot because of what's going on in the world and um, do something that would help people just with everyday living because, you know, if you if you can't um, get to school, you really aren't going to be able to learn to read. So the kids need shoes. If you can't get to work, you may not be able to buy a book or even get to the library. So I thought that it's a good idea just to give some essentials. So we do that and we're still doing the books and we're still doing positive media, just like you're listening to right now and on our teen show Um Express Yourself that comes to you over the weekends right here on the Voice America Network again. So um, I really want you to plant certain things and then don't plant other things. And of course, you'll have to be the guide, but I'm going to give you some guidance. Have you ever thought that good deeds could be planted? (laughs) And I think about that. So many of the flowers, bushes, trees, and vines that we use in our gardens They can be both good and bad. Some plants are excellent in one area or one yard, and they're an absolute disaster in someone else's landscape. And ironically, or maybe not ironically, but most of these plants are sold at nurseries and garden centers. So it's really up to the individual to know what will be best for your garden. And what I wanted to talk today with you is what has worked and what has not worked for me in my Northern California little, uh, my my mini farm here. And I call this my hypotheses, plant this, but don't plant that. And this is really um, just based on my experience. Although I think that if you do some research, you'll probably find some evidence scientific basis for this too. So the first thing that I really love, I love jasmine. And right now as I open my living room doors, there's a sweet fragrance that permeates not only the room, but the air everywhere. And if you walk outside in the morning or in the evening, or just literally any you walk under this arbor that I have, it just smells so, so delicious. So if you are looking for a very fast-growing vine to cover an arbor, a pergola, or fence, jasmine fills the bill. And every spring, that pink-tinged, you know, um, it has white clusters that are pink-tinged. They have just the most scrumptious-smelling blossoms, and it really will perfume your entire yard. And then throughout the year, um, it blooms again, not as, as you know, fulfilling as it does right now in the spring, but it does will continue uh, blooming. And I love to take cuttings of the jasmine for bouquets. I put them in bathrooms and bedrooms and other areas that I would like to, you know, have a little more fragrance, but I don't want to use any chemical sprays. Now, there is a caveat because as much as I love jasmine, I have to caution you that it can be an aggressive grower if you don't manage it, because jasmine is a vine and it climbs trees and it can also suffocate other plants. I mean, just right before the show, I was out in my rose garden and I was on twining and pulling out jasmine even though it was blooming that had twirled itself around my roses uh it looked beautiful i mean with the with the roses blooming and the flowers of the jasmine and it smelled great but i don't want it to do any damage also it it climbs on the ground i guess i would say it crawls so it can become like a ground cover too I am forever pulling strands from boxwoods and cutting vines that have climbed over my azaleas and literally covered them. So for me, the beauty, the blooms and the heady scent and the fast, uh, fact that it just looks so pretty on the arbor, they outweigh um, the all the negative things of it actually you know, kind of growing everywhere. So I'm willing to put in that extra work. So I give it a positive check mark because I do like it, but I, but it is more work. So should you plant jasmine? My verdict is with jasmine, only you can decide. If you have a small garden, it might be completely manageable. If you, uh, if you have a garden where you are afraid it's going to get out of hand or get into other things, then you may not want to. So look into it, but just know that it does have a lot of benefits. Now, one that I am definitely not, uh, don't like, ivy. Three decades ago, a new neighbor wanted an instant green, easy maintenance ground cover. And against my ardent appeals to not plant an invasive species, they chose ivy. And those neighbors are long gone. Yet, 30 years later, I am still battling that ivy that crawled under and over the fence. And I am sure neighbors on other sides of the fence are also attempting to eradicate it. Um, Ivy boasts this beautiful, glossy green leaf. It creates really gorgeous topiaries that you can clip away. And in many parts of the country, ivy is welcome. Sometimes it's even coveted. But here in California, this rapidly growing species harbors rats, it strangles trees, it damages structures, and is almost impossible to completely contain. According to the fire department, it is also very flammable, so very, because of the resins that are in it, so definitely not good in fire country. Now, of course, there are different varieties of ivy and English ivy and Algerian ivy are some of the most difficult to get rid of. And unfortunately, to get rid of it, you usually have to use a chemical like Roundup, um, as well as pulling it out, digging it, and then many, many spray overs with Roundup. I don't use any chemicals in my garden. I want it to be natural. So my verdict, don't plant ivy. The next one is lilac. When lilacs bloom, spring has arrived. And lilacs are known for their beautiful, fragrant flowers in colors of white and pink and lavender, purple, blue, which adds such an attractive touch to any landscape. My mother grew the most spectacular lilacs and I'm continuing the tradition. They are low maintenance plants. They thrive in a variety of soil conditions and climates and they are a very versatile choice for most gardeners. And beyond their aesthetic appeal, lilacs provide valuable ecosystem services because bees and hummingbirds are attracted to the delicious and substantial nectar that is produced by lilacs. And some studies actually suggest that the scent of lilacs has a calming effect on the human nervous system. Making them a great choice for creating a relaxing outdoor environment. Um, I, it's like lavender. Lavender has a very relaxing scent. I find that lilac does as well. So my verdict for lilac is plant it, and it is. You know, it really does take care of itself. The only thing that makes me sad is it doesn't bloom for long. Uh, here in California, we get blooms for about a month. And I cut those blooms. They don't make long-lasting bouquets, but you can get two or three days if you're having a special occasion or you just want to clip in in your bedroom or on the kitchen or something. But I really love lilac. The next one is euphorbia. While euphorbia may be a beautiful and eye-catching addition to a garden because of the chartreuse-colored blooms, it is important to exercise caution when considering planting this species. Now, there are many different species of euphorbia, but euphorbia contains a toxic sap. It causes really yucky skin irritation. In fact, I've been pulling it out today and my arms are still itching. And in some cases, um, it causes severe allergic reactions. And in addition, euphorbia self-seeds and spreads quickly, and it is very difficult to control. It is invasive. Seeds from Euphorbia can blow, you know, anywhere, plus birds can bring them in, but they blew into my garden from the surrounding hillside. And at first, when I first saw the first couple of Euphorbias plant up, I was absolutely thrilled because I had seen this specimen in the nursery and thought the color was so unique. It, it is a chartreuse lime, yellowy, but very, very different. It's it's a color you don't see a lot of in nature. It's not quite a mustard color. It is definitely more greenish-yellowish, greenish, greenish uh, limey-yellow. And I was so excited. I thought, oh, this is just great. Well, that single plant multiplied the following year to hundreds, and I was thrilled. I thought it was great. Then thousands... And then it suffocated and killed almost every other plant on my hillside because the roots of euphorbia strangle the other roots. And now I've been working almost five years on the hill, pulling plants by hand, discarding them into the garbage bin, not to the compost pile because of the seeds and not um, to the the compost bin that you know that your local garbage company takes out and despite my earnest efforts euphorbia still invades my orchard and it is attempting to creep into my garden bed so i have to be really diligent and it sometimes there when it first starts you know the sprouts are small a couple of inches but then it'll grow to like four or five feet with and then it arches out with these blooms so my verdict is Do not plant euphorbia. I think you will be really sorry. It is really, really spreads. If you, um, you know, I, I would even caution you from putting it in a container if you like the color so much, only because the seeds blow in the wind. The next one on my list is called mock orange, the mock orange tree. It's also known as philadelphus. It's a beautiful flowering shrub. It produces fragrant, white, or cream-colored blooms that attract butterflies and hummingbirds. It is really relatively low-maintenance, easy to grow, and I think it makes a very ideal choice for novice gardeners. Um, It can be used as a natural screen. It can be uh, clipped into a hedge, like a privacy hedge, and it adds a, a really nice aesthetic value to your outdoor space. I planted my two trees next to a brick stairway because I love the soothing and relaxing fragrance as I pass. Uh, It has the fragrance why it's called mock orange. It has nothing. It doesn't produce oranges, um, but it's called mock orange because the fragrance is like mock orange. So it has those like those nice, you know, uh, blooms and then it has this uh, orange fragrance to it. Uh, It is long. You can cut pieces and make a bouquet out of it. And it is, um, they last a long time. And what I like is that you can prune and shape it any way that you like. And so my verdict is plant this. The next one, Poison hemlock. (laughs) Now, probably just from the name, (laughs) you might already know what my verdict is going to be. But um, I have to tell you about it, because despite being highly toxic to humans and animals, poisonous, poisonous hemlock was introduced to the United States from Europe as a decorative plant in the 1800s. All parts of the plants are poisonous. It contains a toxin called a cone line, which causes respiratory failure, paralysis, convulsions, and ultimately death if ingested in large amounts. I want you to think Socrates. This was the plant that killed Socrates. Poison hemlock is a member of the carrot family, and it resembles Queen Anne's lace. And if you pull it out, Um, It has like a carrot root. And I can only imagine in days gone by before people died from, you know, eating the root because the foliage is beautiful. It's very lacy, fern-like, or carrot-like. And it has actually a lovely smell, kind of an enticing smell. And I can imagine that at some point in time before people knew what it was, they ate it raw or cooked it, and they died. Now, it is easy to identify because it looks so much like Queen Anne's lace. Uh, if you know what Queen Anne's lace, it Queen Anne's lace has this very pretty kind of feathery, delicate lace. It's called lace because the white flowers look very lacy. Well, hemlock has the same thing, and uh, I actually thought when I pl- when I had the hemlock that it might be queen anne's lace but here's how you identify it hemlock has maroon streaks or dots or stripes on the stems so uh, the other ones don't the other things in carrot family don't so it is these maroon streaks so think like blood it looks like blood streaks now the leaves are as i said fern light and the white flowers are very delicate but beware, this is a very invasive plant that grows to 12 feet or more, and it's really difficult to eradicate because it has these long tap roots, like a carrot, right? If You you have to pull it out by hand. And when you're doing it, you've got to wear protective clothing uh, when pulling. Now, a lot of people want to weed whack it, but wear goggles, gloves, long sleeves. Do not put the plant in the compost pile dispose of the entire plant in the garbage and make sure that the seeds have not spread. Because like euphorbia, poison hemlock seeds blow in from the adjacent, they, they blew in from my adjacent open space and they started to take over the hillside. And euphorbia and hemlock often grow in tandem. So they're both really difficult to control. Every year I get a little bit closer to extermination, but plants still find their way to grow. And I must say, I admire, I really think that the poisonous hemlock is so pretty every year. And every year I think, oh, maybe I'll keep one, but it's dangerous. And it actually started growing in my vegetable garden, which is doubly uh, dangerous because it looks so much like carrots. So my verdict, do not plant hemlock, even though it's been introduced as a decorative plant. And my final plant on the list before we go to a break are roses. Many people believe that roses are challenging to grow and not worth the effort. The thorns are a major turnoff. I know that. Despite my many scratches, I find roses to be one of the most rewarding plants in my garden with a blooming time that lasts here in our area of California, nine to 10 months. Usually, it like my roses are spectacular now. They started blooming in early April and they will bloom until I uh do a heavy heavy pruning in february so i usually get a good 10 months and although i'll plant a rose from any breeder that captures my fancy most of the roses in my garden are david austin english roses which were hybrid hybridized to combine the characteristics of old-fashioned roses with repeat flowering of modern roses And they have just this stunning range of colors and shapes and sizes. They're highly fragrant. And they just produce this delightful scent that fills the air, lifts my spirits. And I grow climbing roses, rambling roses, tea roses, shrub roses, and many more. So my verdict on roses is plant roses. Now, as you probably deciphered, I adore uh, plants that supply flowers, fragrance, pollinator benefits, and beauty to my garden. And I am willing to do a little bit of extra work to experience the specimens on my plant list, plant this list, but I do not recommend any of the do not plant groups that I already uh, spoke about. So we will all return to compost one day, as my quote said at the top of the hour. But meanwhile think about what goods will stay green in your garden. So happy gardening, happy growing. And when we come back, we're going to master our mindset. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Stay with me. We have lots more to come.
0: us on twitter for more great ideas at voice america empowerment get autographed copies of new york times best-selling author cynthia bryan's books at www.starstyleradio.com get inspired and motivated to be your best self with be the star you are 99 gifts and be the star you are for teens buy cases at a deep discount to give away as gifts and premiums Visit www.starstyleradio.com or call 925-377-STAR. 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 express yourself follow voice america at facebook.com forward slash voice america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts it's power time on star style be the star you are with your passion purpose and possibility producer cynthia bryant now back to the power party. This business of show business.
1: Well, we are back, and I me. hope that the little garden instruction gives you some impetus and then some inspiration, motivation to get out into the garden. Because part of what we're going to talk about now is um, getting your your mindset, your you know, mastering how we think and how our emotions are, and creating. A, a remedy for us to be more stress-free. And one of those things is gardening and green spaces. People have always said, and it's a, it's a quote I use too, you know, dream it, do it. Or people have said, if you can dream it, you can do it. And all of that is true. Of course, you have to go into action. There's a lot more than just dreaming about it. You really do have to take other steps and get the skills you need. And, get some support and, and all of that. But thankfully, um, science says that we can apply this wisdom to our mind because researchers have discovered dependable ways to intentionally tweak how we think. And whether we are aiming to reduce our stress levels or anxiety or we want to be more productive or we want to have better moods, there is knowledge out there that can assist you. So if we use that knowledge to our advantage, there is actually evidence-backed approaches as well as some debunked myths that can help us get into the right frame of mind and reach our goals and reach our aspirations. So the first one, because we're just talking about gardening, it is a fact that green spaces are a stress and anxiety relief remedy. You've probably heard of forest bathing. So if you need any stress relief, a uh, few things can do it faster than nature. And according to a study from Frontiers in Psychology, all anybody needs is 20 minutes outdoors to lower your stress hormones. And people who participated in the study either sat, walked, um uh, You sat or walked like in their backyard. You could just sit, right? Or they went to a park or they went to just another green space for 10 minutes or more. That's all, 10 minutes or more. And then saliva samples were taken and that showed their levels of cortisol, which we know is a stress hormone, plummeted. Now that was for 10 minutes. But those who spent 20 to 30 minutes in nature Saw the biggest benefit. Stress often feels like something that is so out of our control. But how easy is it just to step outside, you know, sit on a bench under a tree, look at some pretty flowers, go for a short walk, uh, clear your focus, start feeling refreshed. And when you come back, you'll be ready to take on a task. So maybe this is something that people can do during their break or that they can do during lunch, you know, especially if you live near a park or if you're on a tree-lined street or if you have an apartment that has, you know, some green or lawn or just anything. So think about getting outside and especially if there's some flowers, you know, smell the roses. Now, this is a myth and this is to be debunked that idleness is the enemy of productivity. That is a myth. There are benefits to daydreaming and to being still. There was a recent study published in Consciousness and Cognition. And what that research found is that letting our minds wander without paying any attention to a productive task actually leads to more focus on long-term goals. Because constant busyness just can lead to more negative feelings and concerns. Sometimes it's unconsciously. Sometimes it's consciously. But instead, if you set aside some time for some uninterrupted, freely associative thoughts for a boost to your mental health, um, that is going to help you. Now, in, a, in another show, I talked about um, how we can kind of do this without meditating I love I like meditating but I don't think that you have to go home um, or do any affirmation again ju- you can just I mean sit outside sit outside and let your mind wander watch the butterflies listen to the birds etc but maybe put this on your calendar because free time can often lead to the sudden solutions or problems that you are struggling to resolve. I mean, it's often the times when we are least expecting it that our inspiration comes. And I know for me as a writer, and I just finished my 10th book, it's not published yet. It's going to the publisher soon. So you'll be able to uh, get copies of of, uh, Family Forever. That's the name of the book. It's a children's book, another one in the Stella Bella's Barnyard Adventure series and It is a true story from my barnyard, but how I get my inspiration literally is either sitting in the barnyard, um, letting my animals just, you know, walk around me or in my garden. And then it comes to me of how to put things together. Now, the next one is a fact and uh, also evidence-based is the importance of self-care. Even when things are wild and crazy and you don't think you have time for it. It seems like it'd be counterintuitive, but there was a study of 900 medical students, and what it found is those who took time away from that strenuous educational program to engage in some regular self-care, they reported feeling less stress and they had a higher quality of life. Because you know, medical training is really associated with high rates of burnout, anxiety, even depression. And the study proved that the simple antidote was addressing your personal needs and your personal needs include good nutrition, some physical activity or exercise, you know, getting time for those interpersonal relations, spiritual growth, um, health and stress management, rather than powering through. And by doing that, you're going to have a greater overall benefit. And how often have you powered through? I know, especially when I was at at UCLA and it was time for exams, you know, I would stay up all night, drink pots of coffee. And then when the time came for the exam, I was just, I was so burnt out. I couldn't even take the exam. So it's better to get your sleep and get some self-care. And I mean, self-care looks different for every person, but it could just be, Things that are very simple, it could get it be just getting more sleep. It could be listening to music or listening to a podcast, taking a bubble bath, getting a reflexology, talking to your best friend, um, eating some food that you really enjoy. Maybe it's having that glass of wine or you know a bottle of beer uh, or, or something that you enjoy. Maybe it's just lemonade. But the, the bottom line to self-care is it's worth it. We need to pause. And something that I always think about is one thing when we listen about music, they always say it is the pauses between the notes that makes the music. So think about that. Maybe that's what we need is a pause. This myth, I've never been a fan of ice cold plunges or rolling in ice or even put even if I have a sho- a, a, a sore shoulder, I don't like ice. I much prefer a A heating pad. But um, the myth is that taking a cold plunge or jumping into an icy tub is going to fix our problem. And the research says that there's a long way to go before it can answer that definitively. So maybe you'll want to do it, but maybe not because you really do need to proceed with caution because there are risks. And it would be best to talk to your doctor before taking that plunge because that. Really ice cold—that you know—that shock to your body—it could cause a heart attack. So you have to be careful. So don't just take that at face value. I know proponents claim that an icy blast—you know—improves your mood, it it boosts your immunity, or it improves circulation, but there is no evidence-based benefits that have done been by uh, research on that. So um, nobody knows why if some people think it's helps them. So just, you know, just be be cautious with that one. It might be that it changes our adrenaline, maybe it does add some dopamine, maybe it changes the cortisol, but they're all hypotheses, it's not data. So, you know, don't do it unless you've talked to your doctor first. But this one is a fact, visualization. Do you visualize when you want something? Do you see it in your mind's eye? That gives people hope. And during the pandemic, there was so much economic uncertainty, so much global unrest. Um, I mean, our resiliency has really been tested, but luckily there is a way to build up positive emotions and that really could act as a buffer against that stress. And it is really just talking about what could be the most uh, beneficial exercise. So what you would do is just imagine your life as going as well as it possibly could and write down that ideal state, and then close your eyes and envision your best possible self for a few minutes, activating all your senses. And if you're not, do, you know, if you're really not up to doing the exercise, just consider visualizing your life a few years ahead. Because the studies really show that those who participated in this exercise, they increased their positive emotions, and they reduced their goal ambivalence, and the effect was immediate, and it actually could last for up to a week. Um, And the next myth is, I think this is an important one for everybody, that meditation is going to make you immediately calm and clear your head. And that is really not true. Its effect is going to be different for everyone, and meditation can make one person feel great and another people feel uncomfortable. So, you know, thoughts or feelings that can arise when you're trying to meditate, they're not always easy to confront, and it's not a quick fix. It has benefits, as I said, but you got to regularly practice it. Uh, to reduce anxiety and to um, improve improve your stress reactivity and coping skills. So it's something that you need to do every day. And if you don't want to do that every day, don't think that doing it once is going to help you. Research does show that mindful meditation does receive, uh, reduce those uh, cytokines that I was talking about, which are the inflammatory chemicals that the body releases in response to stress. And then that will help our moods be um, positive if, you know, if you're meditating. But if you're trying to create a positive change in your life, it has been shown to increase self-awareness and to lengthen your attention span. So positive results have been recorded for those who meditate just at about 13 minutes a day. But you got to do it probably for eight weeks just to get the benefit. So I hope that um, with some of these tips, we can take back some of our control. And just to sum it up, how to practice mindfulness. Remember, you don't have to meditate in the lotus position, nor do you have to be perfect at making any progress. You can just do some simple things. You could journal, you could sit and read, you could take a walk, you could do yoga, you could just do some deep breathing. If you like to color or paint or do crafts, you could do that. You can listen to music or a podcast. Like me, you could spend time with pets or go into the garden. And all of these things will help you. And some of the sources of this are from from Harvard um, University, from their health department, and from different medical centers around the country, including the NIH. So when we come back from break, the next topic that we're going to talk about how cash is king and how much you might need just to stay on top of it. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back. Stay with me.
0: Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan.
1: There are rewards that come with rewards. One of the most important needs of a human being is to be recognized and appreciated. And in the business world, rewarding excellence reinforces desirable behavior and continued outstanding performance. Monetary bonuses are always great, but other non-monetary rewards are always welcome too. Some can be inexpensive, but valuable ways to recognize your employees would include like writing a personal thank you note or sending a note to the family of the employee, thanking them for the contribution of their family member. Or if you want to highlight team achievements, you might consider creating an achievement board where photos and certificates can be posted for all to see. Publicly recognizing the performances of individuals who have proffered compelling projects for the company is important. You might have a special day of treats for everyone to enjoy an honor of the completion of a job well done. A pat on the back and a sincere thank you do go a long way in making an employee feel valued. And with that said, it's also important to reward family members, and to remember achievement boards with family. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan.com.
0: The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be the Star You Are charity. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business
1: well, we are back. You're listening, to, you to, listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. And we're coming to you live on the Voice American Network. And we've never talked about this topic before. You know, money makes the world go round, right? But this is all about cash because, wow, we've been through some real crazy, changing market conditions. And, of course... Um, Uh, Everything, we might be heading into a recession, who knows? Uh, We don't know if we're going to have uh, go into debt as far as the United States is going. But we should talk about how much liquid cash you have for any upcoming expenses. Um, Or even if you are somebody that has stocks and bonds and all that, do you have cash as a position in your portfolio? Because there are a lot of things to think about when it comes to your individual cash profile. So where are you right now? Goals and risk tolerance really play an important role in determining your relationship to cash. If you're thinking about retirement, or you have a mortgage, or student loan, or college tuition, or, you have, um, have to get a new apartment and you've got leases that you have to sign or, the, or there might be some fees that you have or maybe you have credit cards and you have credit card debt. But generally speaking, your risk tolerance is a combination of how you would feel after a potential down market combined with other factors like your age and your uh, your income, and if you're an investor, your investor timeline. So we have to think through all of these factors, and then determine what your current risk tolerance is. And is it changing? So it is a very important, especially like if you have a partner to, you know, to talk with um, him or her as well. Um, and if you have a financial advisor, that's a, a really good idea. Because Cash actually can help stabilize any portfolio by adding a layer of diversification. And, you know, first of all, cash isn't only a number one source of liquidity for day-to-day expenses, but it's also any upcoming expenses you might have. And if you're thinking about, if you have um, any portfolio of stocks or bonds, and now we think we might go into a recession and things might go down 10%, 15%, 20%. Yes, you know, cash kind of just stays solid so it doesn't go up like, like stocks would. But you could have an emergency. You could have a medical cost or a health crisis or a job loss or any unexpected expense. So do you have the cash that you need in case that you had something like that the average person does not so we have to scan the horizon for anything in the categories that could come up in not just the next few months but you should really look at the next few years and that can help dictate the foundational amount of cash you want to keep on hand because what cash does is cash serves as a buffer So you wouldn't have to liquidate your assets at an inopportune time when you have a big expense that crops up. I know that during the, um, was it the 2009 that was at the recession, the downturn, when everything plummeted and people lost as much as 50% in their portfolios. And I know people who were cashing out just selling things at a loss because they needed the cash. Well, of course it bounced back within a couple of years, but they really lost out because they needed the cash. So this is why you wanna have some cash so that you don't have to um, you know, cash out of something else that could really make you lose more money. Um, if you have cash, you might wanna put it in a high yield savings account, a money market, or some short-term cash investment, so that it's easy to access at any given moment. Also, people use cash as insurance. It's true that cash's purchasing power, it deteriorates in an inflationary environment. However, if you do run into that unexpected expense and you have to suddenly liquidate assets, then you're probably going to incur some kind of a loss, which might be more than what you um, may be losing to inflation in a, um, you know, if you just had some idle cash around. So in this case, cash can serve as a form of insurance against any potential losses or lots of any buying power. Now, we have to keep it safe. I mean, we just had, what, three or four banks go under, including Silicon Valley Bank that that the government bailed out. But you want to make sure your cash is insured. And generally speaking, um, again, it depends on your particular risk profile, but the FDIC insures up to $250,000 per depositor, her ownership cap category per FDIC insured bank now FDIC ownership categories do include certain retirement accounts trusts corporate accounts and more now m- most people don't have two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars I would say the majority in cash but if you're a business you might um, need that so it's a good idea to check with the institution where you keep your cash and if you have multiple accounts at one bank and accounts held jointly with a spouse or partner, a parent or child, you have to find out what is insured and what is excess because the FDIC isn't going to be bailing everybody out if everything starts happening. Um, there's, They have a website, by the way, that they have an estimator, edie.fdic.gov. And that might be helpful for you uh, to check out. But what you, once you know what's insured, you can protect your excess cash in a lot of different ways. Um, and online banks generally offer a higher interest rate than brick and mortar retail uh, banks. So you can do an online search. Some accounts offer same-day transfers to retail banks for quick access to your money. But remember, you may be limited to the number of transactions that you can make. You can buy CDs, Um, they're divided across multiple banks, and that can help protect your cash and ensure your money is insured. Uh, But be mindful that CDs are term deposits and they require you to hold them until maturity if you're gonna reap the benefit of that higher interest rate. And sometimes withdrawing can give you a penalty. And there are credit unions which are not under the purview of the FDIC, but they do offer insurance to the National Credit Union Administration. So check with that. And the bottom line is this. Cash can be a vehicle of opportunity. It can provide a feeling of safety in an unstable market or recession. And the factors to consider around how much cash to keep liquid or near liquid are as individual as you are. So the good news is that there's plenty of different ways to work with the cash you have in as many different ways to make sure your cash is protected. But no matter what, you should have some cash on hand. Well, that's the show for today. Thank you for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Make sure you're tuned to Voice America for all our different radio broadcasts and to star style be the star you are every week here wednesday 4 to 5 p.m and express yourself teen radio sundays at 3 p.m for more information about be the star you are charity or find out about our shoe drive visit be the star and for information about me uh, visit cynthiabryan.com and that's where you can find all of my books My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate you. I want you to see beyond your physical being and know you already are the star you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, but celebrate this moment in your life. And until next week, when we will play again in the Star Style Playground, remember love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. I'm Cynthia Bryan for Star Style. I thank you and I encourage you to be the star you are. Be your unapologetically authentic self. Dream and make them come true. Thanks for joining me. We'll be together next week.